We're in a, a three-week message series called Our Mission, focusing on our mission as a church and as individuals to, to love God, love people, impact the world. Last Sunday, we examined the, the greatest commandment. When Jesus was asked, what's the, the most important commandment, he had an answer. He said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And so today we're in that second week of our, our mission series, and Jesus answered the question of what's the second most important command, and that's to love your, your neighbor as yourself. And so our, our mission statement is, is lifted right from Scripture. It's the, the most important command and, and the second most important command. And as we carry that out, then the response will, be, will impact the world. We'll make a difference where we live, in our community, and, and globally. We all face daily demands of, of work, and a mortgage or rent, car payments, health needs, family stress. And sometimes we can get preoccupied with what is happening in, in our own sphere of existence. We can be blinded and oblivious to the hurts of others. We can fail to notice or be moved by their needs. The, the lyrics of this song that we're going to watch a video on uh, were written and sung by Glenn Fry. They described this fixation that we each can develop on getting what we want. And the message of the song warns us not to live life with the I've got mine attitude. Watch this, this video with me. I've got mine, I've got mine, I don't want a thing to change because I've got mine. Not only do we need to be alert to the loneliness and the problems, the, the physical welfare of others and avoid the I've got mine attitude, we also need to care about the spiritual welfare of people and the, the well-being of their souls. We, we want to care about the, the total person in our endeavor to love people. And, and so we demonstrate that love for people via friendship outreach, via group involvement, and, and sharing burdens that, that others carry. And that means first we must answer the question, why are we to love people? Well, Jesus gave us our, our marching orders on how to love people, and he taught in, in Mark 12, 31, that this second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. If we're going to be Christ followers, we will follow his example, and we will love people. Jesus looked at the crowds, and he had compassion on them. Matthew 9, Matthew 14. He looked at the rich young ruler, Mark 10, and he loved him. Jesus loved people. didn't matter if it was the woman at the well in John 4 or a pair of blind men in Matthew chapter 20 a leper in Mark chapter 1, or the woman caught in adultery in John 8. He demonstrated love for the despondent father in Mark 5, whose daughter was dying. He showed love to the corrupt, vertically challenged tax man in Luke 19, to the, the socially shunned woman who suffered from an embarrassing bleeding condition, Matthew 9, and a hungry boy who, who shared his lunch. And the list could go on and on. Jesus taught that we are to demonstrate his love to all people. I love the Will Rogers quote when he said, 
A stranger is just a friend I haven't met. And we have this assignment to, to love people, all people. Sometimes that's easy. Some people are easy to love. Sometimes that's extremely difficult. Some people are tough to love. But, but listen to why this is still important despite the challenges that some people present. First John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. The Apostle John wrote, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I, I love God and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. One poet put it into a humorous verse, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, well, that's another story. Jesus serves as our example of how to simply love people. He loved people whether they were good to him or bad to him, whether they understood his purpose in ministry or whether they were clueless. He loved people whether they deserved his love or whether they did everything possible to avoid his love. How are we to love people? Just as Jesus did. W.W. JD. What would Jesus do? How did Jesus love people? He sought out the overlooked, the forgotten, the ignored, the disabled, the down and outers, as well as the up and outers. He was loving the people who had everything going for them, and he was loving the people who had almost nothing going for them. People with good hygiene, people with no knowledge of good hygiene. Did you see his love for people had no limits? It had no pre-qualifying conditions. He just loved people, all people. He saw them through his father's eyes. He, he looked at them lovingly, not as they were, but he saw them as they could become. He gently touched their lives and emboldened them with renewed courage to face whatever challenge to which they were shackled. He extended healing and, and hope, forgiveness and, and, and faith, goodness and grace. And when people saw him loving them through his actions, they began to believe, maybe God really does love me too. When those around us see us fleshing out the love of God, then they too are left to consider, maybe God could actually love me in spite of all the sinful things I have done in my life. So how do we effectively love people? That's the why we should do it, but, but how do we do it? Well, let me give you three ways that we can be like that first century church and, and effectively love people. The first model is through friendship outreach. If we love people, we will practice friendship outreach. What is that? It's, it's simply telling our good friends about our best friend. Studies show that 80% of all people who become Christians were first introduced to him and his church by a family member or a friend. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but if we were to do a, a little impromptu survey, and those 
participating at home online, you, could, you can raise your hands if, if you want, but uh, I'm not going to ask anyone else to do that right now. But eight out of 10 people would say, I, I first came to church because a friend invited me, or I, I had a family member, or a, a coworker, or, and, and it's that relational contact that draws 80% of the people to explore a relationship with Christ. So we have a responsibility to represent Christ to others and to actively invite friends and family to worship, to our our gatherings, to to share with others what what Jesus has done in our lives. In, In most cases, we would not be walking with the Lord today had we not had a friend or family member who practiced friendship outreach on us. This week in our midweek update, our, our e-newsletter, and if you don't receive that, be, be sure and, and give us your email address, and we'd love to send that to you each week just to communicate and keep you up to date on things that are coming up. But it's in the issue this week, I asked you to consider two people whom you would like to spiritually influence toward Christ this fall. You know, the season is about ready to shift this week, and you know, we'll officially begin fall. The cooler temperatures are moving in, and as we go into this next season of the year, who would you like to take with you to heaven? Who would you like to see get involved in our church and, and find the benefits that, that you've experienced from your involvement here? So later in the message, in a few minutes, you'll be invited to, to write down the, the names, first names only, of two individuals that you will pray for and invite to worship and intentionally guide closer to God in the coming weeks. And then write their names on your connection card, and later we'll, we'll drop those in the wooden offering box. It's powerful when we commit to pray specifically and love people who are in need of salvation, just like we were before we came to know Christ. Think of two people whom you would like to reach for the Lord this fall. And in the coming weeks, our staff and our elders will join you in praying for the persons that you've listed. A few years ago, I had a privilege of going on a mission trip to Ecuador. And participating in that trip was Wes Stafford, at that time the director of Compassion International. And... In one of his books, he, he tells about growing up on the Ivory Coast of, of Africa and doing mission work with his parents. He, he tells of when, as a child, he, he visited the village of Kashanga with his father. And he said people's hearts were frightened and heavy with grief because there was this rampant sickness and, and death of, of village children. And the comforting words he said from my father were, we have come to tell you of a God who loves you and cares for you. But those words fell on deaf ears. We could see the hopelessness in their eyes, he said. When the chief of Kashanga stepped out of his hut, he tried to be a gracious host, but his anxiety and his grief were obvious. He sat down with us to talk, and as the conversation unfolded, the father took a little boy, maybe six years old, onto his lap. The child was listless. He had a huge, tight, distended belly. His mother described his his fever, his diarrhea, his lack of appetite. He is Zai, she added mournfully, her firstborn son. Her her voice trembled, her eyes filled with tears as she explained that her little ones, Zana 
and Bay were, were no more. They had died in the previous two weeks. Stafford continued, it was one of the few times that I could ever say I saw my brave father cry. His chin trembled, his eyes welled up with tears. I was sitting at his feet, and as a, a tear trickled down his dusty, sweaty cheek, our eyes met in one blurry moment of sorrow. In that instance, I got a glimpse of my father's heart and what it means to be moved with compassion. I should pause and tell you that what made that moment so precious and, and even strategic was that for months the missionaries had been trying to translate the Bible for this group of people, and, and they had encountered difficulty for in their language, the concept of true love, unmerited, unconditional God's love just didn't seem to exist. Now with a dying child in his arms, this was the love that overcame my father that afternoon. And Wes Stafford's father discovered that a, a highly contaminated water source was afflicting the children. And so he corrected the problem by digging a, a new, fresh water source and educating the people on how to prevent it from becoming contaminated. Wes continued, I, I never saw my father so muddy, so sweaty, or so happy as he was during those days. It was a labor of love constructing this new well. It, it was filled with laughter, hugs, pats on the back for a, a job well done. The village chief eventually plunged right in with his men and the, the work progressed quickly. As the children's health steadily improved, my father's credibility in the village grew. When he spoke at the village meetings, people leaned forward to hear his words. Within weeks, the well was completely refurbished, the children were again healthy, and at one of the village gatherings, the chief rose and spoke to my father. What was it about us, sir, that so pleased you that you did this great kindness? I watched the words register in my father's mind. I saw his eyes brighten. He looked the chief in the eye and he said, there is much about you that pleases me now that we are friends and have done this work together, but I didn't even know you when my son and I arrived in Kishanga a few weeks ago. All I saw was your need, the suffering of your children, and I loved you. I wanted to, I had to help you. And that is how my God feels about you. Now, that moment was a breakthrough in introducing the gospel to that remote village. Deeds had spoken louder than words ever could. Physical needs had opened the door to spiritual ones. And suffering had been the precursor to blessing. It wasn't long before many in that village chose the Jesus Road, Stafford said. They understood love and they wanted it in their lives and a village church was launched. Great things happen when we love people in Christ's name. You can have an influence that will live on for decades, on, on into eternity. I, I want to share the testimony of a, a lady who was a, a member with us at, at Bright. Vivian wrote, Wayne and I were raised in church, and Sunday we thought was the only day we needed to worship God. I, I was taught in church the, the main stories of the Bible, you know, the, the ones in children's Christian books, but I really didn't learn much more about the Bible or God's expectations. 
As a young couple, I, I wanted to go to church because I, I thought it was the right thing to do. And Wayne told me, we just have to pray and keep faith. It's not necessary to go to church. And so that's how our, our life went. As a result, we fell into doing worldly things. We spent many weekends partying and drinking, keeping company with the wrong people. And Wayne, in some ways, tried to keep up with the Joneses. We were getting deeper and deeper into debt. She writes, it was 40 years ago this month that we bought our home. And two pairs of new neighbors moved to our street. They were sisters, and their husbands, Carl and Hetty Moorhead and Terry and Irene Means, moved in across the street from us. They couldn't help but see our empty way of living, but without judging us, they showed us love anyway. They actually treated us like part of their family. Their daily lives demonstrated to us just how important God and the church was to their family. And at that time, we did not go to church with them, but their daily actions and love when they, that they showed us, changed the course of our lives. They said, we, we brought our daughter up teaching her what we knew of prayer and God, and we left her to experiment with her faith, and she went to a church that we were leery of, and God by then was working on Wayne, so we checked out her church to see if it was a cult, and we found out that was not the case. The church was faithfully teaching the Bible, and there we found Jesus and truth at the same time. If Carl and Hetty and Terry and Irene had not set a good example of how Christians should live their daily lives, we might still be searching and completely lost. Cal Thomas said, Love talked about is easily overlooked, but love demonstrated is irresistible. Luis Palau describes the Christian response as loving people until they ask, Why? and then telling them about Jesus. We want to help you to daily love people, seeing them through his eyes. And so right now, if you take your, your bulletin and that connection card panel that's located there and, and write down the, the, the names of two people for whom you will be praying each day. These are people you will invite to worship with you at Batesville. And these are people that will watch for God to work in their lives in these, these coming weeks and months of this fall. So right now, if you would write only the first names, please, of two individuals that you want to spiritually influence toward the Lord this fall. And then on your way out, fold that up, tuck, tuck that uh, in the wooden offering box, please. Well, let me suggest another way to prepare to love people, and that's by participating in a, a life group or a Sunday school class. I remember, remember years ago when I, when I was at Dublin, uh, I had gone to visit a family that had their first child, and we were standing outside the, the, the window uh, looking into the, the neonatal care unit when their little boy went into a severe seizure. And so everyone came rushing around, and it was an extremely frightening, tense time for these new parents. I remember holding hands and praying with them, and and then after some time passed, I looked at my watch and I realized that I needed to get back to the church building where I was scheduled to do a wedding in just a few minutes. And I said, under ordinary circumstances, I'd never leave you at this moment, but I need to go do this wedding. I'll skip the pictures. I'll skip the cake. I'll get right back here as fast as I can. We understand. Sure, go take care of that. 
And so I, I raced to the church. I did the, the wedding. I skipped the pictures. I skipped the cake. I hurried back. And all the time, just feeling terrible that I had, had to leave them at, at that moment. And as I walked into the hospital, there were two other couples from their life group who were there with them, arms around them, supporting them, encouraging them, praying for them, sustaining them. I thought, that's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, the church being the church. And it's really important that you get involved relationally into one of these smaller groups. Uh, you can benefit from coming in and out of a worship service, but you can develop so much more if you're in that setting where relationally there are other people that, that have your, your back and, and you have theirs. And there will come a time when you will need the shepherding and support of a group, and, and there are other times when others will need the support and shepherding that, that you can offer them uh, through a life group. So if you haven't joined a life group, do so today and find one that fits your, your needs and your schedule. And that connection from, from being in a, a class or a study or a group like that will be a strong tool to help us grow uh, to be able to, to really love people better. Our, two of our, our values line up under this heading of love people. That's the, the value of outreach, which is, again, forming intentional relationships to, to connect people with Christ, and, and the value of generosity, developing this attribute of just instinctively giving more. And, and the re result of that will, will be we'll, we'll be sharing burdens and, and lightening that load for for those who are hurting, and, and great things will happen when we love people with Christ's love. Tony Dungy, before becoming a popular TV analyst, was one of the most respected football coaches in the NFL, leading the Indianapolis Colts to a Super Bowl championship in, in 2007. And, and Dungy is a, a very committed Christian man. Several years ago, his family had to, to battle through the, the painful tragedy of, of their son, Jamie, taking his own life. Uh, NFL players and coaches were put into voicemail, or his assistant would take a message as they were offering their condolences and support to, to Tony. The, the outpouring in the NFL was, was overwhelming. Uh, a couple of days after the funeral, Tony was trying to prepare his team for the playoffs, and phone calls from well-wishers and NFL players and others just continued to pour into his office. But Tony's assistant, Jackie, said that there's someone on the line who said, this is an emergency. Well, Tony didn't know the person. He didn't have a counseling staff to handle the situation for him, so he told his assistant, put him through, I'll, I'll see what he needs. The man on the other end of the line expressed his sympathy at hearing the, the news report about Tony's son. And then he shared that my son's fiance took her own life three weeks ago. And then the son had said, I, I can't stand to be without her. And I think I'm going to take my life with her gone. I have no reason to live. Man said, I, I didn't know who to call. And I thought you might have some help or suggestions. Tony said, do you think he'd, he'd let me call him and talk to him? The surprised father said, you do that for me? Tony called the young man and said, I, I don't know why this has happened to you and why this has happened to your family, but if nothing else, 
listen to a father say to you, please don't take your life. Don't break your dad's heart. Tony said, I want you to promise to do something. He said, the last thing you do before you go to sleep tonight is I want you to call me. And he gave him his cell number. And that night, the young man called. They talked some more. And Tony said, I want you to promise to call me in the morning as soon as you wake up. And the young man said he would. And he called the next morning. And after they talked, he said, now I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. And the boy said, you want me to call you tonight before I, I go to sleep? He goes, how'd you know? So this went on for several days. And on, on January 1st, Tony told him, it's the first day of the year. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new life. The two-a-day phone calls continued. And on January 9th, when they were talking, the young man said, Tony, can I ask you a question? You spent a lot of time with me on the phone. What do you do for a living? Tony said, I, I coach football. He said, high school or college? Tony quietly said, well, I, I coach in the NFL. The young man said, what's your last name? He said, Dungy. And the young man said, oh, I know you. Sometimes when you serve, you will be noticed. And sometimes you won't be noticed. And others may not even know how God is using you. If it weren't for Tony Dungy's wife and his minister, we would never know that story. But even in the midst of his own personal tragedy, he was willing to get involved in hopes of averting a tragedy for another family. It's called loving the unnoticed, even when it's a total stranger. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Today, perhaps just hearing that story inspired and encouraged you like it did me. God will get your story out if, if he wants it told, but you have to be willing to be observant of those who are in need. And you will need to grow in this area of loving those whom we typically wouldn't notice. It may be that minimum wage worker who seems to be a loner. It may be that person with the checkered past or immoral present who needs a listening ear instead of a condemning voice. It may be your boss who seems to have everything, but he or she really has no close friends. Will you notice? Now, I'm glad Tony Dungy did. I'm glad Jesus did. And that challenge for us this week and in the days to come is to notice and to grow in our mission to love people. There's a tendency or a temptation to become very busy, very distracted, unable to notice the unnoticed because we all have our to-do lists and they're so long and our, our personal pursuits can take priority. Those are the excuses we make and those are the excuses Jesus could have made, but he didn't. He noticed those whom others didn't notice. His, his ministry was built on daily interruptions. I heard a minister say, I, I used to resent the interruptions that would come in and, and mess up my schedule for the day. And he said, and, and then I 
learned to realize the interruptions were my ministry. When someone needs you at that that moment, there's always room for someone else in Jesus' life because he understands the importance of, of not letting anyone go unnoticed, no matter their situation. Maybe it's that 75-year-old you see working at the fast food restaurant that's had to go back into the workforce, and, but you're too busy making your order to really get to know her story and what brought her there. Or, or maybe it's that coworker who always talks about the wild weekends and she's bragging about it, and, and really her bragging is a plea for someone to ask, what hurt are you covering? What are you trying to compensate for in, in your life? Maybe it's the student who isn't putting forth effort, not because he's lazy, but because everyone else in his life has told him he doesn't matter, and he's bought into that and now believes them. It might be the, the people who get the employee of the year, but their success is this endless chase to fill an eternal void, and they wish someone would ask them how they're really doing. It may be the believer who talks in, in Christian platitudes to conceal her doubts or struggles that she mistakenly thinks you're not allowed to express. It, it may be the parent or, or the grandparent who's existing at a retirement home and won't even remember your vi- visit 15 minutes after you leave, but still needs your company right now. Will you notice? Will you notice them? Will you notice them and love them? Pray with me.